All right, all right. Go ahead and grab a grab a seat. If you aren't already at a table, go ahead. And we may need to pull out another table, which would be a wonderful thing. I don't have any more tables in here, but if you want to go make a team, just circle up a bunch of chairs. Circle up a bunch of chairs and and create another group. We probably need to go ahead and create another group. So, Zach, if you want to take the, you and me want to take these guys and form a group right where you are, that that'd be great. Um. I see several I see several first timers here and we are so grateful that you are with us on a Wednesday evening. I'm not going to point you out or highlight you or make you stand up and sing a solo. I promise none of that is going to happen yet. And so um we're not going to get keyword just kidding. Um I have uh, I have made sort of a, a a commitment, a personal commitment that um, oftentimes we only celebrate the large things, uh, and, and I've just kind of found myself being reminded constantly every time I see God do something to try to celebrate it because I want to give Him just as much glory as is, is, is possible. Um, my day started uh, with Josh calling me and, and telling me that he was ill, and so he was not going to be able to be here tonight, and so um, I told him I would I would go teach the students because I was I was covered in here because this evening uh, Elmer Floyd is a, a new member of our church uh, but is not new to the pulpit or the pastorate he's been pastoring for thirty forty ish years somewhere in there um, and so he had this covered and then uh, Sarah Aiken uh, was is just. A lot of people are just staying back when they feel like if they've got the sniffles because they don't want people to freak out or anything like that. So Sarah and Maddox are both stopped up, and they don't want to freak out anybody in the children's, so Julie is over there. Um, but as I was praying this morning, and I was remembering a, a comment that Tony had made one time a while back uh, about just, uh, we were talking sports, and it was just that idea of how, how deep does your bench go? And I thought, um, especially for those of you who have been here a while, uh, so when I first when we first got here, um, if if I didn't know how deep the bench was, so here we are. I'm able to go over and be with the students, but they are covered because, and they really are covered because Steve and Kyle and Angela and Andrea, uh, they're all over there. So if I couldn't have gone over there, we're we're good to go. I didn't, I, but I'm able to leave here because Elmer's here, and if Elmer wasn't here, Tony's here, and if Tony wasn't here, Karen would be here, and if Karen wouldn't be here, and we could keep going. If Scott wasn't able to lead worship tonight, I could have stepped in, or Gail could have stepped in if Andrea hadn't been here. And I just found myself doing this, look how deep the bench goes, because look what God has been doing. And, and Tony is always very quick to remind me that it's never in a good way uh, as a friend. It's, it's, it's not us. I mean, granted, we've got skills and we've got abilities, but let us not forget all that God is doing. So even though that may seem like such a small thing, I just celebrate what God is doing, that He is providing. And then I look, I look at even our small groups that started on Sunday. And I thought about the class that, you know, I, I taught Sunday because uh, George, it's actually George's class, but George serves uh, on the military base, and so he had to be out, and so I was able to step in. Then I looked at our class and thought, oh my gosh, if I could, wasn't here, Scott could have just stepped up because you sat on the front, and that's what you get. Um, and so, but I looked at all the other classes too, uh, you know, and I just, everybody had backup, and their backups had a backup. And I thought, look what God is doing. And then we have an evening like tonight where um, 
it just was all of a sudden like we had this number registered, but then we had this much more registered to show up. And I'm so glad that you did, because I just want you to look around the room and understand that this um, this is continuing to grow as God blesses. And this is what happens when God's people dive into God's word and take God's word into the community and do what God's word tells us to do. When we are obedient, he will continue to bless and be faithful. And, when, and then and it just is this constant circle of watching God at work. So I just would encourage you to continue to be faithful, continue to be obedient, continue to keep your eyes and your ears open to what God is doing in our midst. And, and be very, very careful. Be very, very careful to constantly give him the praise and constantly give him the glory. Um, I think it's appropriate to thank people when they do stuff. You get, scripture tells us to give honor to whom honor is due. That's why we take moments and thank a Tammy. We thank a Laura. We thank a Jim. We thank Elmer. But let's, let's make sure we give all the praise and all the glory to the God who deserves it. Tonight we are in a book that you have probably read numerous, numerous times. Uh, uh, for those of you who are first-timers with us, we are on Wednesday evenings, we're in Route 66, so we're giving a, a basic overview of each book of the Bible. It's not an in-depth study necessarily of every book, but it's an overview so that the next time you walk through a study or you walk through, or you hear a sermon based out of that book, you kind of have a little bit in, in the back of your mind. And so I'm sure that you have read Haggai a number of times uh, and, and so tonight is going to be nothing new for you, but there may be somebody here who didn't even know that there was a book of the Bible called Haggai or even how to spell Haggai. So in just a moment, I'm going to pray and Elmer's going to come up and lead us through, uh, the, the, I was going to say the gospel of Haggai, the book of Haggai. So let's pray together so uh, Elmer can get on up. Father, thank you for this evening. And Father, I do, and I think I am joined by those around me. And if you do agree with me, would you just... We just, we just praise you, Father. We just give you glory because you are God and you are worthy of it. Father, we thank you for the things that you do, but we praise you and we lift you up because you are worthy of it. You are holy. You are all-knowing. You are all-powerful. You are sovereign. You are good. You are great. You are worthy of our praise and our honor and all glory. And we also thank you for all that you are doing in our midst. Things that we can see and so many more that we don't. Lord, I only talked about some of the things that you are doing in your church, but if we went family by family, workplace by workplace, individual by individual, I don't know that we'd have enough time, not just this evening, but for the rest of the week, the rest of the month, the rest of the year, if we caught a full glimpse of all you were doing in our lives. And so we give you thanks because you are always at work for our good and for your glory. Father, I lift up Elmer to you right now as he opens your word. Lord, I pray that when we leave this place, we are more like you than when we walked in because we've been in your presence We've heard your voice, and we have been changed by your word. We ask this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Thanks, man. Oh, I will do John. I will do John. How y'all doing tonight? Woo! The other day I did that, and he recognized me in church that it was me doing the woo! So if you hear that on a Sunday morning, that's usually coming from right over here, and it's George. Uh, 
it is exciting to see us grow. Uh, I, are, I are us now, so um, it is exciting to see us grow. Because even the first night we came, there were two or three tables that were half filled. And now we need more tables. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, yeah, Woo! there you go. I appreciate that. Um, and and it, it's really simple. I just, I, I'm, a, I'm a, I guess you'd say an evangelist at heart, but a definition for evangelism and church growth or whatever else you want to put it, it's simply one beggar telling another beggar where you found bread. Just one beggar telling another beggar where you found bread. If you find something good or encouraging or active, if you find life or, or a friendship in, in this group of people, we just encourage you to, to take somebody who's outside and just bring them on inside and let them choose if they want to stay or not. Don't make somebody else's no for them. But bring them in and let them decide. We're in the book of Haggai. If you uh, can't find that, in the, in the, if you don't have a Bible, they're all under the chairs. Um, and we're on page 839, and actually the head page for Haggai doesn't have a page number on it, so you're screwed. Um, I'm, just, I'm just telling you. 839. We are walking through the, the minor prophets at this point in time, and, and this is a, Haggai's a, a prophet, uh, writing about 520 B.C., um, let me do a little history and, and set the, the text in context. And this is history. Uh, 586, Nebuchadnezzar roared through um, the city of Jerusalem, devastated the city, tore down the walls, and, and exiled most of the population of Israel, and particularly of the city of Jerusalem, into Babylon for 70 years. Isaiah prophesies, uh, by the way, the, the very interesting, one of the people left in the city of Jerusalem was Jeremiah. And a handful of other Jews were left in the city. So you, you read the weeping of Jeremiah. He's in this city, and the, most, of the, most of the population of the city has been taken into exile. And if you ever read the back half of the book of Jeremiah, there's this wonderful proclamation that they're all coming back, and we're going to be family again. Isaiah predicts that Babylon will fall to Cyrus, and not to Cyrus, but that's who the, the Persian king was. In 538 B.C., he allowed the Israelites to return to their city of Jerusalem. Now, there are some names that are close to non-pronounceable. So if I don't say it correctly, I'm just telling you right up front, I don't know it. Karen's got it? Good. All right. Sheshesh Bazaar was one of the folks that led people. That he led 43 to 50,000 Israelites back to the city of Jerusalem. The governor, the political governor, was... Uh, <laughs> I got a degree in everything. Jerubbabel. And the high priest was Joshua. They came back to the city with the intent of building the foundation and the walls and rebuilding the temple, the place of their worship, back. They started about 521 B.C. and they were just rip-roaring. They, they came back. Cyprus, or, uh, um, Cyrus had given them funds. He had given them uh, 
the privilege to go. He had given them even materials to help rebuild this thing. And it started out in a, a, a powerful progression. And then it tapered down. Anybody ever had that happen in your home? Where you got something big on the calendar, I'm going to replace this or I'm going to do this. or Ladies, I'm not sure, but you ever clean your pantry? If you say often, you're lying. Because you know we're, we're talking that, that if you're going to clean something up, it becomes a bigger mess before you get it clean again. And about halfway through that, you just sit in the mess and, and cry like I don't want to play no more. Well, that's exactly what happens. As they are rebuilding these walls, they start getting the, 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 the oppression of the Samaritans to the north don't really want them to build it because they're afraid if they build it, then the wealth is going to come back to the city of Jerusalem and they're going to be diminished in their power and their prestige in the area. So they started um, antagonizing the building of these walls. They, they actually uh, they tried to, to get political orders that would prohibit the rebuilding of that temple and and the hindrances and the people of Jerusalem fell into great discouragement the temple wasn't built the walls weren't built there was a famine in the land and the people were still under Persian control and that leads us to our text for today. There's a psalm that a passage of psalm that I, I read often before I teach, and I just ask that you would be with me. I say it as a prayer. You don't have to say nothing. I'm just telling you it's in Psalm 19:14, where the words say, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable unto you, O God, for you are my rock and my redeemer. Father, I got nothing to say to these folks. But you have told us that if we're willing to stand up, that your spirit will speak through us. We know that where two or three are gathered, you're there. And it's such a cool thing that in this place, there's a bunch of folk, but the spirit of God is here in power. We ask that you would open our eyes and ears. We ask that you would touch our hearts. We ask that you would give me some words worth hearing. And we do give you the glory. We pray in your name. Amen. I, I handed out some handout sheets, and I probably didn't print enough because the crowd is overwhelming. And the sound of the crowd is... <sighs> but if you're close to that, and, and people are asking, some folks ask me, like, well, usually we have table discussion, and you will, but I'm just going to tell you what to do when we get there. Um, we start in the beginning of, of this text. It's, by the way, it's only two chapters long. So if you just ignore me, you can read it about three times in the, in the 30 minutes we got left, and you can still pick up stuff. It says, in the second year of the King Darius, on the first day of the sixth month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai to, <laughs> I can't do this, Zerubbabel, son of Shittiah, and the governor of Judah, to Joshua, son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest. What I would like you to do is, as the word of Haggai comes to these people, 
You'll notice on that, under that first passage, it's got conviction in there. It says, what are the excuses and what is God's responses? I would like you guys at your tables to read the, the next 10, 11 verses. What are the people's excuses? What was God's response to their excuses? Ready, go.
All right, you're, you're, uh, let me draw you back for a second here. Your, your response is, what were the people's, you guys all got this one. What were the, what were the people's excuse? It's not time. It's not time. We've traveled all the way from Babylon back to Jerusalem. We have come here. There is no temple. We started building it, but we got tired. We don't want to do it anymore. You know, we'll do it next week. Yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. And, and then what did, what did God say through Haggai? Yeah, that's what he literally says. The time has come. And then he says, why do you think you guys are having a hard time? Um, I, I love the in uh, verse 9, where it says, you expect much, but then it is, uh, then it is uh, amounted to little, but you brought the harvest to your house. I ruined it. In Hebrew, it's literally, I breathed on it. He scorched it. He said, you thought you had it. You thought you had enough. You thought you could provide for yourself. You know, and it, it's kind of like God in heaven is going, how you doing now? We're going, we're going to get there. Yep, 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 yep. And, and, and part of the, you know, the thing about building the house. I, I have been a pastor at several different churches. This is, this is the, the fourth church I have been part of in my entire life, and I'm 70 now. I'm a lifer. I've been in three churches. And oftentimes there's a, a phrase that's used about this building. This isn't really the church. You are the church. The church are the individual people that come inside this warehouse. Uh, but oftentimes we call it the house, right? Other people outside will call it the house of God, quote unquote. But by the way, he don't live here either. He comes when you come. It ain't like he's waiting. I mean, he is. He's here before you get here. But it ain't like on Wednesday... He may have something else to do. Or, excuse me, Thursdays. We know he's here. And just talking to folks who have been in the church for a while, how easy it for how easy it for how easy is it for us? I make my living talking. Um, to be consumed with our stuff instead of here. You know, when we came, my wife and I, Doris and I first came, they were just starting, just ending the, the gift series. What are the gifts that we have and the talents that we have and the skills that we have and the personalities that we have? And that God just asked for a part of it. And it's amazing how willing we are to give a whole lot of that time, talents, funds, other places. But what do we bring here? And people may say, well, I don't want to be a teacher, and I definitely don't want to work with children. You know in a church there's hundreds of jobs? Some of you may be regulars here. Some of you may not know. Karen, raise your hand. If you would like to say, Karen, is there anything in the church that you think I could do? I am about 99.9% .9 sure she'll go, yeah. Yeah. You don't know the significance of being the greeter at the door and being the first face that somebody sees when they're coming in this place. You don't know the significance of picking up paper after a service. You don't know the, the significance of calling people or being on a prayer team or, or phenomenal numbers of things to do 
And just imagine, the walls of the temple weren't built. What about what goes on inside? And these same people had no response to that. They had just quit. Not just building the temple, being part of the church. Okay, so we go on. The next one talks about comparison. Um, beginning in chapter 2, verse 1. Uh, okay. Um, by the way, after it's interesting, uh, Haggai comes and brings his message, and at the end, how far did I give you guys go? 11. Uh, obedience. The result comes up in 14, verse 14b. It said, The Lord arouses the spirit of Zerubbabel, son of Bob, governor of Judah, and the spirit of the high priest, Joshua, son of Zodak. The spirit of the remnant of the people, and they began working on the house of the Lord 23 days later. What a great encouragement. You know, why, you think, why aren't people doing something? Well, they're never asked. We said when we came into the church that I've been a pastor and I probably baptized hundreds of people. And Jonathan, we're out to lunch with Jonathan. He says, you ever been baptized? And I go, no. He says, how come? I said, nobody ever asked me. I believe it's important. Theologically, I've taught it. I've baptized hundreds. Nobody ever asked me. How do you get in the church? Somebody asks you. And it's not I'm inviting you to go to church. The phrase is, I'm inviting you to come to church with me. And I'll show you how to get past, how to get past the greeters. And where they keep the coffee. And sit over here, because Jonathan never looks at the people in this section. We all need introduction. 23 days later, it goes on, chapter 2. It says, on the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Speak to Zerubbabel. This guy is still the son of that guy. Governor of Judah, the high priest Joshua, son of Zodak, to the remnant to the, and to the remnant of the people who is left among you who saw the house in its former glory. He's saying, he's speaking to the people who had been from Jerusalem. They had been in exile. They had come back. Some of them had seen the temple before they had left, before the destruction took place. He says, how does it look to you? Doesn't it seem to look like nothing in comparison? Now, you're coming back laying the foundation to a building that you remember in your mind, grandeur. And they come back and see it destroyed. I don't know about you, but that may not be encouraging. You ever see a job that's too big? Any, anybody ever done dishes on Thanksgiving afternoon? <laughs> that's why you don't invite people to your house. You go someplace else. You don't have to do dishes. Because it's overwhelming to see the task. Anybody ever traveled north of the Mason-Dixon line in the winter? Okay, if you raise your hand, you're a fool, because what are you doing up there? We were 38 years in Chicago. I told people, we've been down here 32 years, and I've never shoveled sunshine. <laughs> but I remember storms where we'd get three feet, four feet. 
And about the time you shovel your, dr your driveway out, then the big plow comes by. And the task gets overwhelming. That's what these people are seeing and thinking. I'd like you to take some time around your table and look at verses 4 through 9 of chapter 2. What are the words of encouragement that Haggai brings to those people? Ready, go. some of the words of encouragement that are given to these people in this pit of despair and discouragement and frustration. Talk to me. What are some of the words of encouragement? Is this working? Okay, good. Be strong. Yeah, oh man, you jumped right to the good stuff at the back, didn't you? Yeah. He says, I'll provide peace. Anybody here want more of that? How much of our society is on medication for that purpose right now? It's one of the number one dollar makers for the pharmaceutical companies. 
Anxiety and depression are two, they are, it is exponential in the United States. And yet here, God says, I will bring you peace. Jesus says, peace I give unto you, not as the world knows peace. It's that You ever lay in bed at night and just a tear trickles out of the corner of your eye? You're laying in the dark. Something of stress or frustration or disappointment or pain has hit you. You ever toss and turn? Can't get stuff out of your head? And I, I just tell you what works for me is just tell God thank you for what he's done. And this may sound very weird, but I have an experience where he'll just wrap his arms around me and hold me and protect me. He picks me up like a little child and puts me in his lap and he wraps his arms around me. Sometimes the top of my head actually gets wet because he's weeping for my pain. And then he simply says, I've got you. I've got you. I will bring peace to you. Um, the last verse, verse 9, he goes on, he says, uh, I will provide peace. Above that, he says, I will fill this house with glory. You know, build what you can build. The, the beauty and the recognition of this facility isn't based on your skill. It's based on my presence. He says, don't be afraid. He says, be strong. And he says, this is a promise I made to you when you came out of Egypt. When did they come out of Egypt? Come on, somebody got to know that. When Moses led them out after the, 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 the Exodus. Exodus chapter 33. The same God who led them for 40 years in the wilderness, wants to lead you today. If we'll simply let him. I, I can't tell you the number of people that I've just, this simple little phrase, and this might be something you write down, is take your eyes off the problems and look at the problem solver. You were telling me about your daughter. Kids are crazy, aren't they? I mean, they get freaked out over ridiculous things. It's like, ah! It's like, well, it wasn't. It's a spider. Okay, now what? Yeah, of course I will. If the spider's freaking out my kid, I'm, I'm going to stomp the... Thank you, out of, that, out of that critter. I'm saved but not totally sanctified yet. I came out of Chicago. I'm still working on some of this stuff. I... But isn't that what God says to us too? Like a parent, you pick him up and say, I'll, I'll take care of it for you. If we'll let him. These people are struggling with what they see and feel versus what they know. There's a whole lot of people in churches around the world today that know a whole lot of stuff, but they, they're not living like they know. They, they haven't made that transition from knowledge to experience. And that's what... Haggai's trying to encourage these people with, he, 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 you know, be strong, fear not. Uh, the glory will come. 
He, he promises to provide for them. And then he goes into this next passage where he talks about uh, contamination. Verses 10 through 13, he, he, oh, I'll, I'll jump down and uh, verse 11. This is what the, the Lord of the army says. Ask the priest for ruling. If a man is carrying consecrated meat in the fold of his garment and it touches bread or stew or wine or oil or any other food, does it become holy? Answer is, the book says no. But, then Haggai asks, if someone defiles, is some, if someone defiled by contact with a corpse touches any of these, does it become defiled? Yes. Then Haggai replies, so it is with the people and so is the nation before me. This is the Lord's declaration. And so is every work of their hand. Even what they offer, there is defiled. What is God's word of assurance to their interpretation of defilement? Ready, go. Verses 14 through 
right, we'll be out of here in less than five minutes. We're going to jump ahead. But what did you, how encouraging were those words? Not very. You know, it, it sounds like same song, second verse. Like I ruined you, all these things, bad stuff's coming. And we're, you know, the phrase I use in one group is like that phrase of you reap what you sow. You know, God's trying to get our attention. And he loves us so much, he won't leave us alone. He is chasing us. And he says, I got lots of stuff to give you, but you got to be willing to receive it. And then verse 9, or verse 19, what's it say? Yeah, say it again. From this day on, I will bless you. We've done anything to deserve it? No. No. Not on our good days, let alone other days where we deserve a whole lot of other stuff. He chooses. So there's Haggai talking to these folks that have struggled, who have really quit. They got so discouraged, they quit doing what they were doing. And he speaks to them and says, yeah, but I will bless you. I'm going to cut to the last, last verse on this. On, on, the, on that day, this is the declaration of the Lord of the armies. By the way, Lord of armies is a, 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 it is a description that they put upon. It's used 14 times in, in these two chapters, and it means a divine warrior. He's going to fight for us. He is, they're recognizing him as the sovereign God of power. And for people who have been oppressed and, and exiled for 70 years, that's a, that's a pretty reoccurring and reassuring title that they need to hear. You know, the, this Abba Father wouldn't have been, done much for them. They needed somebody who's going to give them encouragement of, of a powerful proclamation. He says, I'll take you, Zerubbabel, son of the Shealite, my servant. This is the Lord's declaration. And make you like my signet ring. What's a signet ring? That is the proclamation of the king. In those days, he never signed anything. He would put wax on it and take his signet ring and mark it. He says, you've got my, you will become my mark in this world. For I have chosen you. It makes me want to weep. I'm glad you're here. Good to meet you. I met some new people today that I didn't know. And the, the verse goes, for God so loved the world. Don't say they're no for them. Give them the opportunity to hear about a God who loves them so much. I'll give you the punchline on Haggai. They finished the temple in the next five years. They rebuilt the temple of Jerusalem in five years. Yeah. Yeah. The Haggai was written in 520 B.C. And in 515 is when the temple was rebuilt, completed. What's God want to do in your heart and your house if we'll let it? I had other stuff scheduled, but I talked too long. I'm trying to be faithful to time. 
Let me just pray with us. Father, we thank you and praise you for all that you're doing. I thank you for these folks and for their willingness to, to communicate and to, 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 to just juggle your word. To learn from it. For it literally is the word of God. Help us tonight to learn one thing. What, what one thing did we learn from these two chapters? And mark our heart with it. That we can't forget it. And some of us are still pondering and may not come up with that till tomorrow or the next day or next week. But we are guaranteed that your word never returns null and void. I pray that these people would hunger and thirst, become that beggar looking for a piece of bread. And then invite somebody else to come and feast at your table. Thank you for your presence with us. Bless us and use us. Speak to us and through us. May we be that light to the world of darkness, we pray. All God's people said, amen. Thanks, folks. Appreciate you.